The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Tech Trader Live, uh, Tech Trader on Barron's Live. I'm Eric Sabitz, Associate Editor uh, for Technology at Barron's. Uh, joining me today is Tyler Radke, who is the Senior Equity Research Analyst for Enterprise Software at Citi. And uh, we are very happy to have you with us today, Tyler. Thanks for being here. Eric, great to be with you as always. Appreciate the invitation. My pleasure. So uh, we have lots to talk about. Um, this is a uh, this is an interesting moment for the space that you cover. Uh, well, it's an interesting moment for the markets overall, right? Uh, we're having a good day. It happens today as we sit here. The market is rallying, uh, but the stocks that you cover have, uh, like many uh, many technology stocks, have been hit pretty hard uh, this year as we all grapple with uh, uh, lots of things: uh, inflation and uh, higher fuel costs and higher interest rates and slowing, maybe maybe a slowing economy and a recession. Um, talk a little bit about how you think about the macro uh, situation for the stocks you cover, and then we'll dive in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So as you, as you pointed out, I think we are at an interesting time. Um, clearly the software uh, sector uh, was one of the most, uh, you know, uh, beneficiaries of what we saw during the pandemic, a big push to digitization. Um, you know, many of these software uh, companies that, that we covered uh, actually saw their revenue growth rates reaccelerate. Um, obviously, there are some very extreme examples like a Zoom uh, or DocuSign, which you right. know, saw some some pretty significant pull forward uh, impacts. But but by and large, you know, the last two years were uh, almost as good, you know, as good as it gets in the in the software sector, uh, and you, you combine the fundamental environment with the uh, fiscal policy and monetary environment we were in, with low interest rates, very high liquidity, uh, very easy access to capital, almost a growth at all costs mindsets. Right. Uh, you know, where where companies were trading at these massive revenue multiples, not a lot of focus on on free cash flow, and so you know, I think what you're seeing. Um, so far, it, certainly the uh, the narratives in terms of uh, what we're seeing in price momentum uh, is, is 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 much more severe than we're actually seeing on the ground. I mean, right. fundamentally, we've seen very uh, pretty resilient and strong results across the board. Um, you know, whether it was Oracle a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Microsoft, ServiceNow, even Salesforce uh, over over the last couple months. Um, I think that the concern is just that you know, software is a traditionally a later cycle sector. And so, um, you know, as the economy starts to, to worsen, IT budgets could get slashed. And ultimately, um, there could be more numbers risk as we go into the, the second half of this year. Um, but, you know, taking a step back, it clearly the, the, the market seems to have discounted um, a lot in terms of, you know, how much many of these stocks have, have come off the highs. Um, so, you know, I think our, our view is it, it, it's still an attractive, um, sector is still attractive place to be invested. Uh, definitely want to uh, pick your spots and and uh, maybe be more defensive in the near term, um, just because 
we think there there, there will be more volatility uh, in, in the months ahead. So, so when you think about uh, characteristics that you would suggest people look for, right? So when you think about where we were, say, two years ago, um, we were in a period where, uh, as you say, some companies had like like almost unearthly kinds of growth rates, clearly not sustainable growth rates. We saw that with Zoom where they, I think they had three quarters in a row of like 360% growth or something like that. So you had like growth rates that were very, very high and sustainable very high uh, stocks trading at very high multiples of sales. Um, and those were the stocks that did the best, right? So the fast growers at the top line, no one was really paying that much attention to profitability. It was about how fast can they grow? And, um, and that resulted in very high valuations. And those stocks did extremely well in that time period. Um, those stocks have been hurt uh, the most, I would uh, say, on the way down. It raises a question of, well, so what characteristics should you, should you be looking for now? How do you balance top-line growth, cash flow generation, uh, capital allocation, you know, return, of, return of cash to shareholders? What, what are the characteristics that you are looking for for the stocks that you're recommending to your clients? Yeah, so I, I kind of think of, uh, you know, and I, I cover about 40 different Right. stocks right so so very much uh, a range of companies that have been around for you know three or four decades to companies that have been you know gone public in the most recent year mm -hmm. um i i would say you know i i think in the near term i probably have more of a bias towards you know your your growth at a reasonable price companies you know companies that are a little bit more defensive are well balanced uh, between growth and profitability and, you know, companies that have, have weathered downturns and that have large, uh, you know, buying uh, centers, you know, tr exposure to enterprise customers, not mm -hmm. exposure to SMB or, or startups. Um, so, you know, those those names would be Microsoft and ServiceNow um, would be towards the, the top of my list in, mm -hmm. in that bucket. And I think, you know, those are names where, there, there is, in my view, more downside uh, valuation support here. So, you know, you look at a name like Microsoft. Um, you know, on a on a price to earnings basis, you're you're paying something like a high teens, low low twenties um, multiple, um, and you know, you're you're getting double digit revenue growth, double digit operating income growth, and and especially relative to you know the average S and P five hundred company. Um, you know, that that's you're paying maybe a 30, 40 percent premium to the, the S&P, you know, average on, on price to earnings. But you're getting about three to four X the growth of the, the average S&P. So I think, um, you know, Microsoft screens well there that, you know, they have a large enterprise install base that um, they can continue to uh, upsell through, you know, moving customers to the cloud, uh, to Azure, you know, moving up the um, the product SKUs in terms of their Office 365 business, you know, E3, E5. E so I think you add that all together and then what they're doing in gaming, um, obviously a little bit of volatility in the uh, the PC market, but, you know, over time they've, they've become a little bit less reliant um, on PCs than they, than they were at least traditionally. And, you know, ServiceNow, I think it's kind of a, a similar story in that they have a large enterprise, you know, kind of Fortune 500 uh, install base. 
Um, and you know, their, their, their business is really kind of this, you know, platform of platforms business where they're, they're going after and, um, you know, continuing to, uh, digitize processes. So they started in it now, you know, now you think about some of the supply chain issues that a lot of companies are facing or sustainability or, or HR issues that, um, you know, everyone's facing with just, you know, the workforce and, and the shortage of talent, um, you know, the, their ability to kind of come in and, um, sit between a lot of these core systems, but just provide the the end-to-end workflows um, to companies. And, you know, that's something that we, we continue to see resonating in the market. Um, and, you know, both those companies have a good mix of kind of 20, you know, for ServiceNow, it's about you know, high 20s organic growth rate um, and expanding margin. So, um, you know, we think we think those are kind of good, good assets to own in, in this um you know, in this environment. And I, now, these aren't stocks that are in a, in a day like today, you can see uh, th- they're up, but they're not up, you know, nine, right. 10 percent like some of right. the growth names. Right. But, well, this uh, is the what we're seeing today is sort of the way the market has tended to behave on these sharp updates when you got um, it's suddenly all the more speculative stuff uh, suddenly. Is yeah. Market higher. Right. It's a little shade of, you know, like 2021 um, or 2020. In the way the market started behaving, I want to I, I want to zero in on a few things on Microsoft. So you know you mentioned the the somewhat reduced exposure to the PC market, but they still do have exposure there. And the there's no question I think that um, PC demand is uh, moderating. Uh, to be generous, um, uh, we'll see uh, certainly on the at the consumer level. There's no question that PCs uh, PC demand is is uh, declining now. Uh, at, after what was a hugely robust period during the pandemic for all the obvious reasons, right? We were all working from home. Anybody who had like a couple of kids at home going to school uh, from home suddenly felt themselves with a need for more PCs than they had already and demand spiked. Um, but there still is exposure. I mean, they obviously still make windows. Um, they still, um, they still, you know, they still do have some reliance on the PC industry uh, for some of their demand. Do you worry about that at all, or do you think that the rest of the business has grown fast enough? It's become more of an enterprise business over time uh, to offset that. Yeah, so <clears throat> certainly it is a it is a risk, um, and I think you know we we've seen <clears throat> the the PC volatility you know play through uh, Microsoft you know o- over the the past few years. I think one thing that that stood out you know if you go back to your point during the, the peak of the pandemic, when you saw really robust um, consumer demand, Microsoft didn't necessarily benefit as much from the strength in, in you know, the if you look at the IDC PC data or, you know, some of the, the shipment data, you didn't see quite as an up, a big of an uptick uh, in Windows, um, uh, you know, during, during the peak of the pandemic. Part of that, uh, to your point, was it's more consumer strength, low end, you know, Chromebooks were, were really right. big Chromebooks were very in, strong. In, in, in school. So, so Microsoft didn't necessarily have exposure there. And so I think now on the way down, as we think about that source of, of um, strength kind of moderating a little bit, um, they're, they're not as exposed on, on the way down. Um, now, now, that being said, I, I still think there is there still is some risk um, to, to PC numbers. And, um, you know, I, I know the the our hardware team, which uh, we get a lot of data points from Asia, we did recently cut uh, our PC numbers. And right. so, um, 
but again, it was it was more on the low end where, where Microsoft has lower exposure. I think I think there it is a fair question. You know, what is the sustainability of of PC growth even even at the enterprise, right? right. But um, you know, I think as, as as companies are kind of thinking about their the future of work and what is their their office space look like longer longer term, um, you know, part of that is a look at kind of a a, a refresh. Uh, on the PC side, you, you know, you have a Windows, um, you know, uh, uh, update schedule um, as well that uh, that's that's driving it. So um, certainly something to watch. But I, I'd say so far nothing has been um, too concerning because you know it's been more at the low end of the market. So so one of the biggest things that happened in the Microsoft sort of storyline over the last year or so is their bid for Activision. Um, so clearly that would be the largest acquisition that Microsoft has ever, uh, ever done. Um, and, a, and a huge bet on the future of gaming, uh, maybe the metaverse. I don't know if you want to interpret yeah. it that way, but certainly a big bet on gaming. Um, now they, of course, already had a big bet on gaming. They make, they make the Xbox consoles. They have uh, popular games like Halo, like they've been, They've been playing in games for a long time, but this is a, uh, you know, kind of doubling down on their bet. Now, I would note that um, the street seems to have some doubts about their the whether this deal will close. Uh, there's no financing issues like Microsoft has made it very clear. This isn't going to impact anything. They are going to keep buying back stock. They're going to keep paying, a, a, you know, a, a respectable dividend. Um, there's not going to be, it's not a financing issue. It's a regulatory problem, potentially, or at least it's seen yeah. as a regulatory problem. Do you think it turns into one? Well, how would you, you know, the stock is trading like there's serious doubts that they can close the deal. And, and, yeah. and I know that you don't cover the gaming space, but how do you think about this deal for Microsoft? What do you think happens? Yeah. So uh, again, my uh, colleague, uh, Jason Vazanet covers Activision in, in the right. gaming space, um, but you know I think it it just is kind of the the regulatory doubt that we're seeing um, on on Activision versus maybe their their most recent acquisition before that, which which was Nuance, which kind of closed right. um, without major issues, and, and clearly we saw Oracle close Cerner um, in a in a pretty rapid pace, considering the the size of that deal. It does feel like at a high level, like the the regulators are, are more focused on certainly anything that impacts the consumer. So, so B two B, that rarely is there any type of uh, you know uh, issues from a from a regulatory perspective. But uh, obviously, the the gaming franchise impacts um, the consumer more than you know a B two B acquisition. So, I think that's why you're 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 potentially seeing a little bit more um, skepticism there. Um, but you know, if you if you take a step back, I mean, even if they they close this deal, it's not like they're even going to be the dominant player, um, you know, in in the in the gaming side. Obviously, you have Sony, and um, you know, so the, it it is a pretty well uh, diversified landscape. Um, obviously, I think there will be some questions in terms of like what do they do with those key studios that um, sit under the the Activision Blizzard um, umbrella, but. Um, you know, I guess I my my view is it 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 probably gets um, done just from uh, you know the standpoint that uh, I you know I think you, you take a step back and kind of look at the evidence, but um, I, I'm not I I won't pretend to be an expert in in terms <laughs> of like regulatory dealings, um, right. but 
Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we will see what happens. So um, I want to run through a few names that uh, we have some questions uh, from our viewers, and there's a few others I want to add to the mix. So uh, you mentioned uh, in passing uh, Oracle, which just had a very good quarter and provided um, a strong, although a little bit messy guidance um, going forward. They, of course, just completed uh, what was their largest acquisition ever, um, Cerner, which is a health uh, records, electronic health records company. Um, it's a very large deal for Oracle. Um, and uh, and and they do seem to be getting some traction um, in their push uh, to get uh, to sell uh, cloud-based versions of their database and application uh, software. Uh, but there's still, you know, there's always a little bit of uh, skepticism about about Oracle. The stock was on a tear last year until they announced the Cerner deal, and then the stock, um, you know, gave up most of its 2001 gains in the process. How are you feeling about Oracle um, from here? Yeah, I think I got most of that. I, I, there was just a little bit of a... Oh, a yeah. So basically, yeah. So what's your take on Oracle, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've had a neutral rating on, on Oracle, um, but I would say uh, we have been kind of gradually warming up to the story here in the over the last few quarters, just as you've seen organic growth uh, reaccelerate. Uh, in fact, this this past quarter, um, which was kind of this last quarter before you start to layer in Cerner into the numbers, you saw them grow organically uh, 10%. That was actually the fastest growth rate that they've delivered since I think 2010. So pretty impressive um, kind of turnaround, if you will. And I think really it, it just has to do with the mixed shift in their business. They've been investing a lot uh, on Oracle Cloud, both on the applications business, uh, you know, through things like Fusion, as well as the the acquisition they did years ago of, of NetSuite, and then on the the cloud infrastructure side, um, <clears throat> you know, I think they've they've really um, reinvested in OCI, which Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. During the pandemic, they they brought on Zoom as a big reference customer. Yeah. Um, Zoom obviously <laughs> needed all the help they could get in terms yes. of new cloud capacity because the right. surging demand. Um, but but now you've seen them, um, you know, not only start to bring some of their, their their customers over onto Oracle Cloud because almost everyone runs Oracle databases. So why not run Oracle database on Oracle Cloud? Um, you know, you saw over the weekend uh, that TikTok uh, ByteDance is also moving, moving to Oracle Cloud. Right. So you are seeing a little bit more momentum there. It, it's definitely encouraging. Um, I guess what, 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 keeps us from uh, having a buy rating. I think that the results, um, you know, historically, uh, having followed Oracle for a number of years, they've, they've tended to be a little inconsistent. I mean, even this quarter, uh, you saw kind of cloud revenue miss their their expectations, even though it was a good bookings quarter, a good quarter in terms of overall revenue. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, I, I'd like to just get better confidence that um, this the shift to cloud is going to be uh, you know, very financially accretive. You've seen some pressures on margins um, this year, and and earnings growth has kind of really started to slow down, especially now that they're not doing as much much buyback. So, um, you know, I right. think I mean, which uh, have slowed because of the the cash needs for for yeah, right, right, and and just I mean, you're seeing some pressure on gross margins because you know cloud is obviously lower gross margins um, for now, but I think the 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 hope is that you really start to see earnings growth and and cash flow growth start to accelerate 
later this year. Um, but, but yeah, I think again, speaking of names that are more defensive, that have weathered downturns. I mean, Oracle is definitely in that in that category. I mean, in a in a quarter, their fiscal year just ended at the end of May, and they had their fastest revenue growth quarter ever. So they, I think, it kind of demonstrates um, number one, just the the overall strength still of enterprise kind of Fortune 500 budgets, um, mm-hmm. but also you know the ability for for these multi-product platform companies to, um, you know, weather this environment. Okay, so I want to touch on a few a uh, few well-known names that um, kind of had a, a boom period during the pandemic that have now uh, slowed down some. So I'm going to rattle off a few. So one that is in the news this morning is DocuSign. Uh, DocuSign announced this morning uh, that their CEO has stepped down. Uh, that might be charitable. It's a little hard to tell, but you get the impression that he was pushed. Um, yeah. And and DocuSign obviously has had a um, a rough few quarters. They just reported uh, their mo- uh, their most. Uh, I guess they're on an April quarter. Uh, their April quarter results. The numbers are okay, but their guidance was not so good. Um, and it implied not just that they were having some problems um sort of adjusting their business after their own sort of boom period during the pandemic but they're having other issues like this so talk a little bit about what happened to DocuSign and how you might think about it with uh, they 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 made the chairman the uh, interim ceo but like what might what might the next ceo of DocuSign want to do yeah yeah so i think that DocuSign is is um it's been an interesting stock to say the least over the the last year. I mean, what was what was interesting just talking about them in context of other work from home beneficiaries was like unlike Zoom, where you really started to see growth slow, you know, over a year ago, maybe eighteen months ago, you really didn't start to see this show up until that October quarter that they reported um, last year. I think that sent the stock down, you know, forty percent in a day, and you've seen right. just kind of leg leg down after leg down uh each time they every quarter um, right. and and so i think what's what's been interesting is like number one how quickly the the growth is slowed right i mean this was a company growing um you know 50 close to 50 percent uh just several quarters ago um you know on on their key kpi which is billings next mm-hmm. quarter they're guiding to like a low single digit growth rate right so I mean, it's 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 pretty remarkable just how how fast that's happened and the fact that it happened so late. And um, you know, I think when you when you listen to some of these earnings calls that DocuSign's had the last couple quarters, it, it it's almost like they have they've almost lost their ability to forecast the business. Right? It's like they're they're surprised by you know number one um, just the overall uh, you know consumption activity by by customers but they're also kind of surprised by what's going on on the on the go-to-market side with with higher sales turnover so um yeah i think just given that lack of visibility it's it's been several quarters in a row um you know clearly the the press release kind of read like the board um kind of took a decision and and enforced um the the ceo out um you know i think i think docusign is at it is at an interesting point in that um they're they're still kind of the market leader in e-signature. If you look at their their total customer number, uh, that's still growing pretty nicely. So that's uh, growing 
you know, above, well above 20%, yeah. still above where they were, were growing customers pre-pandemic, which, you know, you look at a name like Zoom, their, their growth even on new customers is, is really slowed. So I don't think you're necessarily getting a churn issue here. There's not like a competitive dislocation. I just think the the pace in which customers are are normalizing their their consumption um, that that's really been hard to forecast and and I think just hard to get a handle on. And so you know the board's making changes. I think there's in these situations that we've seen in the past. You know I think this this can be a time for the board to look at strategic alternatives. You know a financial buyer, a strategic buyer. Um, you know, it's hard to say if they, they haven't been looking at that already, just given how right. much um, things have changed. But uh, but yeah, I think I think um, I think that's definitely on the table here with this with this transition period. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I think, you know, one thing I would say in their favor here is uh, a, a shift to digital signatures doesn't seem like a shift that's going to reverse. Right. So right. I can't imagine. And and, and even uh, Dan Springer, who's, you know, the now former CEO, um, has made it basically, I think, made a pretty clear case that um, the odds that someone who was using paper and pen based processes to do signatures uh, with little sticky notes on documents and that kind of stuff uh, that switched to e-signatures, no one is going to go back to that. Um, right. Uh, but they also did. I think one thing that's sort of interesting is they got they had sort of some direct benefits benefits from the pandemic and uh like they were play, they, they 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 were involved in like uh loans, loans yeah. Right, which yeah. has gone right. away so uh so yeah there's some of that which you can't really blame on dan uh but uh but i i do think it'll be fascinating to your point on um a, you know whether they might try a strategic alternative stock certainly a lot cheaper i mean so um you know it's, and it's really profitable too right you know so it's so. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, you mentioned uh, Zoom. Let's talk for a second about Zoom. Uh, Zoom is sort of the, the poster child for, uh, you know, outsized, insane, unsustainable growth, uh, reversing course, and now growing like way slower than it was uh, before the pandemic. Now that's a little unfair because the business is a lot bigger, uh, but the growth rates are now down around, to your point, like low double digits, even high single digits. Yeah. What, what do you think happens to Zoom from here? You know, they're they're trying very hard to expand their line of businesses to do new things, uh, including Zoom Clone, which I guess has had a little bit. That's like their corporate telephony business. What do you think happens to Zoom here? Yeah, I I think they're they're in for for a tough ride. I mean, I clearly it's a uh, you know great brand name recognition. I think a a, a top tier product. Um, you know, I'm probably on 10 Zoom calls a day, so <laughs> you'll have to pry Zoom away from me as a, as a user for my uh, cold, dead hands. But <laughs> my, my, my concern is just where is that incremental growth going to come from, right? I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I feel like everyone knew who Zoom was during the pandemic. Um, they, they've, most organizations have already made that decision. Um, you know, I even look at companies like Citibank, where I work, um, we were able to bring in Zoom, uh, which, you know, selling to large financial services is, is a tough thing uh, to do. So it just felt like um, th there was a lot of pent up demand that, 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 that got captured. Now they are facing um, a lot of a lot more competition from Microsoft Teams. Right. Um, we definitely have been picking up a lot more competitive uh, displacements and in, in some of our field work and some of our 
reseller surveys. Um, and, and so I think it's, it just fighting with Microsoft is, 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 is a battle that, that few win, especially when Microsoft is essentially right. bundling teams for free. And again, I, the risk may not necessarily be massive churn at, at the high end of the market, but I just think if you haven't deployed Zoom and you've gotten by the last two years, Teams is probably going to be good enough um, for for that right. use case. And I, I, I and uh, you know, to your point on how are they going to expand? I mean, they're they're big expansion motions. Um, you know, they they tried to to buy Five Nine, which unfortunately fell through in in the call center space. Um, and so now they're kind of back to square one in terms of building their own call center products. And like, I think that's a really hard market to, to get right. I mean, you look at the, the, the leaders in that space, whether it's Five9, Genesis or, or Nice, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these are companies that have built products over decades and they're, they're super complex with their integration with HR systems and all different types of uh, back office systems. So I think it's, it's going to be a while before they really have success there. Um, you know, you look at Zoom Phone. It's 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 having some traction, but just not mm-hmm. enough to move the needle. And ultimately, right. that's kind of a commodity market too. So, um, yeah, we're we're pretty cautious on it. I think this kind of stays as a a single digit grower, and um, you know, it's it's going to be a while uh, before we really see new products move the needle. Okay, I want to touch on just a couple of other names, at least briefly. Um, so you're a little more cautious on Salesforce than uh, some other uh, analysts on the street. Um, tell, and, and I would note, by the way, I, I, I was thinking about Salesforce because you mentioned the competition from uh, Microsoft. Of course, Salesforce bought Slack. Um, Slack, in many ways, was uh, put up a for sale sign uh, for exactly the same reasons. They faced... Um, a lot of comp- uh, difficult competition or pressure from um, from Microsoft Teams. But if, if you so talk a little bit about Salesforce, and I'm a little bit, I'm in particular curious about whether they might be a little more vulnerable uh, than the average enterprise software uh, stock here um, to an economic downturn, given the breadth of their customer base. So what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think with Salesforce, um, you know, Clearly, they have built a really large, um, high-growth business. I mean, a lot of it has been through M&A. You mentioned Slack. You know, they've bought Tableau and MuleSoft. Uh, I think just the, the stock has underperformed for a while mm-hmm. um, just because they haven't really been able to string together solid organic growth with good margin expansion. And, you know, it felt like, you know, over the last six months, things have definitely tilted more towards the margin expansion um, side, you know, there's been press reports about them freezing hiring, and they actually slightly raised their their margin outlook for the year coming off this last quarter. But you know, you've seen organic growth falter a little bit. Um, some issues with 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 MuleSoft. Um, you know, ultimately, I think that as I as I look, you know, at at Salesforce today, I mean, it it is at essentially its lowest uh, valuation, or maybe you know, last week was its lowest valuation. Um, you know, really in, in its history, maybe going back to the, the peak of the 0809 downturn, it was a little bit cheaper. Um, so so clearly the, the valuation isn't necessarily a concern, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I do think this is an acquisitive company. Um, and, you know, they announced Slack uh, about a year and a half ago now. And, and I, I do think with where valuations are, even though the management team has said that they're focused on organic growth, 
Right. Um, I, I still do think there's there's risk of of M and A, um, you know, in the in the next six to nine months. And you know, on the fundamentals, to your point, um, I do think there are maybe more more risks to their core business, given the macro environment. Um, you know, relative to something like a Microsoft or or ServiceNow. I mean, Salesforce, their their core business is Salesforce automation software, right? It is a seat based sale. So if we do go into a downturn and companies are cutting back, their revenues are down and they have less salespeople, right? You, you need uh, less Salesforce automation software. Now, to be clear, you haven't seen that at, at Salesforce show up yet, right? No. Um, and in fact, their, their sales cloud growth was actually the fastest <laughs> in a number of years this, this most recent quarter. But I guess that our concern is obviously, you know, as we go forward, um, could there be some some incremental weakness just because it is a little bit more exposed to what we call front office spending. So, you know, the area that you'd invest in to grow revenue. So in a downturn, you're a little bit more focused on managing the cost side of the equation. Um, so we think it's a little bit in a tougher spot than, say, a service now. Right. Do you um, so one other uh, I'm going to touch on two last names as we wrap this up. Uh, one is um, uh, one of the other big winners. <laughs> during the pandemic period was Shopify. Um, yeah. Um, and they had, uh, for for all the obvious reasons, everyone was moving online, everybody's business needed to have the online or you weren't gonna have a business. They saw tremendous growth. The valuation of the stock just exploded. It was pretty huge, like it was one of the most expensive stocks on a price to sales basis. And the stock has really uh, taken a beating as, uh, as valuations have come back in. Um, and, uh, we've also seen some reversal of the, or at least, at least deceleration of the the commerce uh, growth rates that we saw during the pandemic. What's your sense of Shopify? How do you think about them now that the you know the stocks dropped seventy five percent or something? Like that? Yeah, yeah. So I I think Shopify is um, you know they, they've kind of gone from a high growth company that was generating a little bit of cash had this really like just differentiated freemium almost product-led growth motion right, right. where you know, if you were if you were a merchant you, you wanted to start a small business online or a side hustle online you know shopify was your place you know right. their 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 motion around arming the rebels to compete against amazon and the big brand names i think really resonated with a lot of folks um it, it just felt like you know, over the last six months, things have changed dramatically for for Shopify. I mean, they've seen number one, um, you know, new business formation was up 100%, I think, uh, through the pandemic, right? People had stimulus checks, low interest rate environment. Um, now you're starting to see, you see all the issues impacting the consumer, whether it's gas prices or inflation. Um, you know, you're comping the quarters of these these stimulus checks, and now I think you're you're actually facing like real competitive threats from the like of of Amazon. This this whole idea of um, you know buy uh, not buy with Prime, but essentially there's you know Amazon is is trying to kind of replicate the the Shopify playbook in terms right. of offering you know the platform and the in the merchant solutions, and so. Um, and on top of that, you have Shopify. When everyone is looking for companies to show a little bit more margin expansion, they're doubling down on spending. They, they made a big acquisition of this right. fulfillment company um, and have basically said our, our margins are going to be zero 
uh, over the next few years. Who, I mean, you kind of add all that up. I mean, it's just a total thesis change, I think, on on the stock. And well, I think you could get maybe some put together a a, a long term bull case on on how all this plays out. I mean, I just the investors we talk to, no one is trying to, no one has that time horizon to make that bet. And um, you know, I just think it's uh, it's it's probably going to get uh, worse before it gets better um, here on Shopify. A lot of unanswered questions in terms of where they want to go with fulfillment uh, and the competitive landscape. Okay, one one last stuff I want to talk about. We're a little bit over time, but I um, I think this is worth touching on. Um, in addition to Oracle, the other big software earnings reporter last week was Adobe, and um, Adobe's numbers were okay, but they the guidance was a little odd in some ways. They they called out a bunch of one-time items, but it sounded like the real issue was uh, they kind of back-end loaded their guidance and put a lot of pressure on what they need to do in the fourth quarter. And it does seem like there are now some questions about uh, about uh, on the competitive uh, landscape and a few other areas on Adobe. This is you know one of the great franchises, software franchises. I, I think in some ways, uh, underappreciated, not, not in this, I'm not talking about from a, cap, a capitalization point of view, but I don't think people quite realize just how powerful they'd become in that, um, in that creative space, but you have some reservations. What, what's your thinking on Adobe? Yeah. So uh, as, as you pointed out, I think it's a, a great franchise for, you know, a number of years, if not decades, they, they dominated the, the creative category without a lot of, uh, competition. I think, um, you know, as, as we look at the environment today, I do think competition is on the rise. Um, kind of two vendors that uh, investors are concerned about would be uh, Canva and Figma. And, you know, those, I think those, those companies have seen uh, a lot of momentum over the last couple of years. We certainly can see that with web traffic uh, that, that we track kind of the, the creative professionals, where, where, they're, where they're going, where they're spending time on, on websites. Um, and so, you know, what you've seen for Adobe is, you know, the last three quarters have been pretty messy. So the percent that they beat uh, on their uh, creative cloud business, mm -hmm. that 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 percentage has been a lot smaller than it normally has. And you've seen growth rates uh, come down. I think they, um, you know, about a, a quarter ago, they announced a price increase, uh, which was long overdue. But it really only applied towards the high end of their products at, at the enterprise customer base, and you know I think one of the reasons was just because they are facing uh, more competition at the, at the lower end of the market, and so what you know if you're you're facing competition, which is lower cost competition, like right. raising price is not a um, a good thing to do. So um, I do think there is a bit of an acknowledgement that the, the competitive landscape has changed. Um, to your point on on the guidance. Um, you know, they essentially lowered expectations for the following quarter, but didn't take it down for the full year. And, you know, their thought process was, hey, we, we're, we're just de-risking 3Q. But, um, you know, I think the concern is that you're going to have to do the same thing 90 days from now because everyone expects kind of the macro environment to, to maybe get worse and who's going right. to have great visibility in the second half, just given everything going on. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a... Uh, I would never want to bet against Adobe. I mean, I do think it's an amazing franchise, great, great leadership team, but um, 
you know, if you, you just kind of take the increased competition, slowing growth, and, you know, they are really investing uh, in the business, um, you know, both on their core creative side, as well as their digital uh, experience side, which kind of competes with the Salesforce and broader marketing applications uh, mm-hmm. business. That is kind of creating some, some um, margin pressure uh, as well. So, uh, you know, it just feels like a stock that, um, you know, we kind of need to get better visibility on uh, before it can start to work again. Got it. Tyler, thanks so much. Um, this was a great conversation. I, I appreciate you being here, and I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, the big show here uh, again before long. Awesome. Well, really appreciate uh, the conversation, Eric, and thanks everyone for uh, joining and for the questions. Yeah. Thanks everyone for being with us today. Um, please join us again tomorrow. Uh, financial news is uh, David Ricketts and Salim are, will uh, will be. Uh, with Salim Ramji, the global head of uh, iShares and index investments at BlackRock uh, to talk about the ETF market. Um, uh, also, uh, another important announcement on Thursday, this Thursday, June 23rd, uh, we'll be holding Barron's Investing in Tech a uh, day-long summit with interviews like this one. Uh, we have uh, lots of great um, participants, including Arvind Krishna, the CEO of IBM. Uh, we talked about Zoom today. Zoom CFO Kelly Steckelberg will be with us. Christopher Young, the EVP of Microsoft, and lots more. There'll be a link in the chat. Uh, Please uh, sign up and join us. Uh, We hope you can be with us. It should be great. Thanks to everyone for being with us. Please be well and stay safe. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.